On this week's episode of DLN Extend, we discuss whether proprietary software in Linux is a good or bad thing. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 47 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, from places like the DLN Discourse Forums, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. On this episode, I am joined by two of the podcasting titans, or at least wannabe titans, Wendy, the camera ninja extraordinaire, and Matt, the gamer enabler of the DLN network. Wendy, what have you been up to? I took a trip to that local pawn shop of mine again that I am now visiting pretty much every single Tuesday after I drop my daughter off. You're a pawn star. Not quite. It's just the one, but they'll probably start knowing me here pretty soon. We'd went in there the previous Tuesday and we'd found an ice cream maker and a projector that we really liked and I didn't pick him up. I was, you know, him and Han kind of at it. Uh, I don't know. And I told my husband about both of them. He's like, oh my gosh, why didn't you get them? So this time we went in, they were still there and I picked them up and not only did I pick them up, I got them for way cheaper than they were originally listed for. The projector that I got is, I think it came out 2008 from the research I've done. So it's by no means a new projector. And I'm sure that's part of the reason why whoever decided they wanted to get rid of it got rid of it. The plugs in the back, they're not compatible with a lot of newer devices anymore. It's VGA or DVI. There is some S-video there, composite video, that kind of thing. You know, for the most part, it's not newer connections like you would get on a more modern projector. Hold on, you're telling me that there is something newer than SVGA? Yes. And how come no one's told me about this? What is this? <laughs> because you like your older hardware. Probably have told you this. You just weren't paying attention because you were too busy playing with the old technology. That is uh, the truth, yeah. Very true, yeah. But I already had a HDMI to DVI cable, so it was no big deal for me. I brought it home, plugged it in, got everything connected, and we actually watched a movie on it as a family last night, which was really cool. It was it was a lot of fun to watch it on. I have no idea what else we're going to do with it as far as family stuff goes. I did get the okay from the co-op that we go to on Thursdays, the whole family one, to be able to do a computer classes starting next fall. I've got some money coming from the school to help buy some more computers so we can have a, a decent sized class. And this will be used for that class. So I will be able to set up my system, have this projector going and the kids can see what I've got on my screen at the same time that they're working on there. So it's a double thing. It'll work great for school stuff, co-op stuff, and it's a ton of fun to watch a movie on at home. Well, that's fantastic. And that's actually really cool. I, one, that you are going to be teaching kids about technology. I think that is just fantastic. And then two, that you are acquiring technology that is modern as I would buy to do it. <laughs> that is just great. I'm looking forward to hearing how this turns out, learning from how you are doing this and replicating it locally, you know, when I can. Nate, all I'm going to say 
is no, it's too new. So you wouldn't buy it. <laughs> He's collecting some newer hardware in recent times. Yep. See, I have been collecting some newer hardware. He has the recent hardware because the laptop that he got was a parting gift from his other employer. Yeah. And I've got a Raspberry Pi 4 that has this really weird connector on it that doesn't make any sense. So speaking of newer hardware, it seems like Matt is upgrading once again. So yeah, I have upgraded, I guess would be the accurate word, to newer hardware that is coming in. I was able to actually find an HP Omen 15 for under $1,000. It's only an i5, quad core, six core. I don't know what the Intel core count stuff is anymore. I think the i7s are six and the i5s are four, if I remember correctly. i5, 10th gen, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gig NVMe, and then RTS. 2060 and 144 hertz 15.6 inch 1080p screen under a grand in this market <laughs> i was all that's about that's amazing that is curious to see how this is going to do because it's an rtx card i want to just see how this is where my inner geek gamer comes in i want to see what all the fuss is about about you know things like rtx dlss and all the other stuff to see if it really makes that big of a difference because i'm not gonna lie I like pretty graphics, but better lighting effects is basically all I've seen from any RTX related stuff. And I'm like, eh, I've seen some pretty good lighting effects in about 12 year old games. Go fire up like the first Dead Space and that opening scene where you come up on the ship you're going to be on. That lighting effect is pretty dang good. Not going to lie. I'm a RTX skeptic, I guess. I'm really interested to see how this does as far as just that aspect of it, if anything. It's going to be a Windows machine for a while, then I'll determine whether or not it's worth actually not nuking and paving into oblivion like I usually do with most Windows machines. Well, I know what I would do immediately. Yeah, you would stick OpenSUSE on. You would try to put <laughs> OpenSUSE in a round hole using the square, Nate. This is true. I will try and cram it on anything that I possibly can cram it on. Absolutely true. Yes, you would. <laughs> That's kind of where I am with Manjaro at this point. It comes home and Manjaro immediately gets put on it. Unless you got to update BIOS. That is very true. Unless BIOS needs to be updated first. An extraordinarily painful process. Yes, it is. That was my recently new purchased hardware, I guess. I'm curious to see how that's going to go. What have you got going on, Nate? You're always working on some weird projects. Well, nothing weird today. The OpenSUSE Elite 15.3 reached the beta build phase. So it's something I'm excited about. Just downloaded it this morning and I put on my little Ven toy. I'm going to get ready to do some testing on that today. What's exciting about it is they are including in OpenSUSE Elite 15.3 uh, the latest XFCE desktop. It's actually going to be an option. They have builds for Power 10 and S39X architectures. And if you don't know what those are, Power 10 is essentially the successor to PowerPC from, I believe, IBM. I know like Motorola had hand in that at one time. The S39X architecture is the IBM Z for mainframes and whatnot from SUSE and SLE. They're enterprise grade stuff. I wish I had some hardware to actually test that on. I would love to even just put my hands on some of this hardware that it's built for. Alas, I don't have such things. Even an old one, right? Wouldn't that make sense? An old one. So just got released and they're looking for people to do testing of it. Saying that if you do some beta testing, you, you help out with it. They have to, like a spreadsheet to kind of fill in and add information on. Giving out t-shirts. So I'm going to try and get a t-shirt out of this deal because why not? I beta tested 15 I got a test machine. It's a little bit older. I don't surprise, right? does have one of those goofy, I don't know what they're called, HD something, HDM, I can't remember what it's called, uh, connectors on it so I can actually run it through, uh, you know, something like a newer type screen, maybe not Wendy's projector. So a CRT? Yes. In fact, I still have a CRT that I use on a regular basis just because I love CRTs. Nate, that's your main monitor and that's probably your only <laughs> monitor if you had the choice. No, I have an LG 29-inch ultrawide that I'm using right now. I got the show notes on one side. As much as I like the older technology, 
technology. I'm really not sad that CRTs have kind of gone the way of the Dodo Bird. I still appreciate them. There's something, see the refresh, I think, on, on CRTs now that I'm kind of used to the flat screen. So get off my case, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I will once you stop calling me an enabler for video games. Seeing how that's never going to happen, I'll never get off your case. Exactly. If you're interested in testing OpenSUSE Leap 15.3, we want testing against the x86-64 architecture, ARM64, PowerPC, and S390X. So I can only test against two of those. I don't know how well it's going to work on the Pi 4, but I do have that. This episode of DLN Extended is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as a virtual private cloud in all regions, free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container Registries is now available to all users. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln. When running Linux, there is a constant debate or discussion on proprietary software. Running it on Linux, is it good or is it bad? I don't know if it's quite polarizing, but it does seem to grade against some people. And I want to see, Matt, does it grade against you to run proprietary software on Linux? Hello, Steam. <laughs> Is that your answer then? So, okay, show's done. All sarcasm aside, and that being generically my answer, no, running proprietary software doesn't on Linux does not bother me. I view it as more options is good. I am a free software, open source software kind of guy first. I'm not going to limit my options just based on an ideology or a preference. Square and round hole situation doesn't work all the time. Trying to make that work is going to be more detrimental to me getting stuff done. So why am I going to spend something I don't have a lot of in this world? And that's time. I thought you were going to say money. Oh, yeah. yeah there's <laughs> that too. Well, then I got to just spend a Two grand resources on stuff. in limited quantity. Yeah. Uh, well, money can be replenished. Time cannot. I'm not saying an open source alternative or an open source application is a waste of time. I'm just saying I'm more for the right application the right appliance, the right thing for what you're looking to do. Like Linus, when it came to when he was using proprietary applications for like the Linux kernel, it was the best tool for the job at that time. That's kind of where I fall. I don't care. I care about certain aspects. I have my preferences, of course, which is open source first. If I don't have a good open source solution to it, then yeah, I'll look at the proprietary stuff. Obviously, I'm going to look at things like ULOs and everything else because some of us on Linux do care about the privacy and all the other stuff that I know people are going to complain about because I say I use proprietary software. Oh, my God. I take more of the realist approach. It's just I tend to lean on the open source side. If that's not an option, why shut out all the other options just because ideals and you know philosophy and all that stuff? 
Now, I need to ask, your proprietary software that you do use, is it typically games or are they productivity? Uh, it's a mix. Example, my editing machine that I have, that's a mix of stuff. Instead of LibreOffice, I use WPS Office, so there's proprietary. Instead of using Chromium or some open source, you know, Ghostery or something. And this is more of a very specific use case for me. I have to use Opera because there's certain things where I record that I have to get around certain things. Opera has a built-in, I'm not going to call it a VPN. And I'll call it a proxy because that's really what it is because it's within the app and not system-wide. That fixes certain issues that I have as far as that. It's the right solution for what I need and it's cost-effective. That's another thing for me. All my editing, I have Lightworks, but I don't use Lightworks much. I use either Cinelear or Live for any video editing, Audacity for audio editing, OBS. It's a mix. So for me, it's one of those things where it's really the right tool for the job. The base is quote unquote, open source, I appreciate about Linux is the control. I can choose whether or not a proprietary application is going to be on my system or not. I made the choice. I made the conscious choice to do that. Whereas a system like Windows or Mac OS, you don't get that choice. That to me is something that matters so much more than anything else because you're saying what you are going to do with your system, what happens with your system and all that kind of stuff. The core base being open source, I care more about the ancillary stuff that allows me to uninstall applications and what I decide to do with it. That is more important to me than is this one application proprietary, this one application open source. I absolutely see where you're coming from there. I think we share for the most part pretty similar views when it comes to does it always have to be open source software? Do I choose open source software if I can find it first? Yes, but there isn't always open source software that can do the job. And if I can take whatever software that I need to use for work or play, whatever I'm doing, and I can run it on the Linux base, that means that I'm at least running the main operating system that I prefer to use, that I want to use, that gives me, as you were saying, the flexibility and control to remove things that's one of the things I hate about Mac OS, Windows, or Android. You are locked into certain things that cannot be removed from your system. With freedom comes the ability for great destruction, right? On Linux, we can remove whatever we want to if you're running it with that sudo command, but that doesn't mean you should. Linux gives us the ability to remove whatever we want, and sometimes that breaks things. So knowing that if something breaks, it's my fault, most likely, for removing something I'm not supposed to, but there's still that flexibility there. I, in the past, have used Lightworks for video editing, and I will be 100% honest, if I could get DaVinci Resolve to work consistently well on my system with the AMD GPU, that's kind of another downside for running an AMD GPU. Going back to last week, if I could get it to run consistently on my system, I would 100% be using DaVinci Resolve for video editing. And one of the biggest reasons why I want to use that program for video is the sheer control when it comes to color. One of my favorite programs for image editing is... Darktable. I love Darktable because I can very specifically control colors in specific 
areas of the image. I can use a mask and make sure that these color adjustments are only affecting this part of the image. And DaVinci Resolves gives you that for video. For video, I would love to have that fine tune control. Right now, with the hardware I have, it doesn't run very well. So Wendy, is there, are there other applications that you use that are proprietary in Linux? I almost said OpenSUSE because I just, you know, that's just how it works. <laughs> Nate, because OpenSUSE is your Linux. There is no other Linux. That's not entirely true. Of course, Steam, right? I run Steam for games, for everything. I haven't really messed with Lutris at all. Heck, most of the games I play are proprietary. There's not a whole lot of open source games that I play on a regular basis. But the other game one, Discord, that's the one I'm thinking of. That's installed on my system. We have used it for Linux game nights before. It's one of the easiest ways for us to communicate. Specifically, Ryan. Ryan is one of the most vocal in the network saying, I don't want to use Discord. But right now, there isn't another game streaming audio that's easy enough for us to set up and to make sure that any Anybody who wants to play with us can be let in, that kind of thing. And the control of who the moderators and that kind of stuff are. We have been looking, both as a network and myself, keeping an eye on different options for those type of use cases. We don't want to put out a bad product, right? I don't want to not get my work done because whatever software I'm using won't do that. So for me, GIMP is just fine when it comes to additional photo editing tweaks. If I'm wanting to layer stuff, all of that, it has the tools that I need. Michael has been very vocal about the fact that it doesn't have the tools that he needs for graphic design. He's also said some of those things when it comes to Inkscape. I've used Inkscape a little bit here and there. It's one of the programs I'd really like to learn more. There's some of the tools that he says that it's missing. And if you are getting paid for a job and it has to be done within a certain amount of time, because the more time you take on this job, the less time you're able to get to another one. Then the less time you're able to spend with your family or maybe talk to another client, the software you're choosing to do these things does make a difference in your day-to-day -day life. So I am not opposed to using proprietary software. I'm not opposed to using open source software. I do most of my stuff on it, but it's, as Matt said, the right tool for the job and I'm not going to hinder myself or prevent myself from spending time with my family, from being able to provide for my family because of the software choices I'm making. Do I prefer to have the open source? Yeah. I talked to you guys earlier that I was thinking about doing the Samsung tablets all around for the kids because that's what I could get at the time that fit within the budget and allowed the kids to work the way they wanted to. And then I don't know whether it's the Linux gods came down and they're like, oh, here are these fantastic options in your local <laughs> pawn shop so that you can use Linux. I do still have that Samsung tablet. I'm not getting rid of it. It is a tool that I will continue to use. But the preferred option, a touchscreen, lightweight laptop that has running Linux is what they're able to use most of the time now. It's a matter of not only, especially in this day and age, having it be an option but having it be an option that you can afford. Right, and a viable option. Yeah, a viable option. Most of the, well, everything, 
all technology in general right now is ridiculously priced. I just didn't see that finding laptops was going to be an option because I'd looked. I'd looked all over eBay. I've been looking for months. And every time I look, I'd get more and more frustrated by the sheer prices that were out there. And knowing that I have this budget that I have to work in in order to provide the kids the tools that they need, that I feel that they need to get the education that I want them to have. And none of them were fitting into that budget until I lucked out majorly with these two devices from the pawn shop. But those are our takes. Where do you stand with it, Nate? Because I know you are a big uh, Fusion 365 guy. Fusion 360, my bad. You know, either will work. You know, if you go an extra five degrees, not a big deal. Fusion 360, I still prefer it right now. The reality is it is a bit of a headache getting it to work in Linux. You know, either using Lutris or community member Yannick. Uh, from the other side podcast network actually he has a script that he put together to help with the installation process of fusion 360 that doesn't hang and also doesn't require lutris there is that and also there's some other issues with fusion 360 as far as like doing drawings and whatnot freecad has been around for quite a while and has been a viable option for using an open source cad application and i do think that freecad has made a lot of strides as a recent to be a, a better application to be used also i saw someone commented on twitter that they had a different skin or overlay that actually gave it more of a fusion 360 feel I'm gonna say modernizing the interface a little it. And I'm impressed by this work that's being done, and I need to test those things out. I'll be using the app image for various reasons. If I had my preference, I would use the open source application first. What steered me to Fusion 360 was I had issues with doing assembling in FreeCAD. Essentially, and I mean this nicely, the work being done is great, but I wanted to punch my monitor trying to do assembling in FreeCAD. It's not good for one, my computer or my fists. So I decided that was not a good idea, and I would just go use Fusion 360. But the little things they can get tweaked or improved and whatnot in the open source world, it becomes a better option over time. Way back in the day, I used Windows as a movie maker, a video maker. I don't remember what it's called now. It's been too long. And now I'm using Caden Live whenever I do make videos. And I would say that as far as like functionality goes, maybe it's not as good as Premiere or some of the others, but it does most of what I want. But I'm not opposed to using a proprietary version. Like I'm not such a zealot, let's say. Everything has to be open source because I'm fine with closed source software. It doesn't bother me. I want the core or the base of my operating system to be open. Right. There's some arguments there though, that like the, the in Intel management engine, that's not open source. And there's, there's other things. Okay, I got it. There are little blobs here and there that are black boxes that I have no control over. And I do not prefer those. How much effort am I going to put into something to make it all open? Like, where's that breaking point for me? And, and I would say, if I have to fiddle with my computer on a daily basis just to get work done, like a weird science experiment, that's not going to work for me. Although I love to play with Linux, I love to play in the tech sphere. I need to get things done as well. I have papers I have to write. I have reports I do. I have documents that need to be filled in and completed. And I have lots of things that I do with my computer, managing information to be one of them. I want it just to work. I want to be able to sit down, complete a task, and then get to playing. If I have to fiddle with something to get a task done every time, that's not going to work for me and that's not going to be a good tool. Related to programming, and this was an old Computer Chronicles I was just watching recently about programming tools in 1984, talking about are there going to be more languages in the future or less? Are they going to converge or whatnot? And there was a comment that was made that programming tools are like, in the, in the physical sense, what programming tool is better? Fortran or COBOL, that was languages that we don't really use today. One's a screwdriver and one's a hammer, so which is better for driving in a screw? And I look at the same way with software, whether it's open or closed, what is it the task that I'm doing? If I'm playing a game and I'm using Steam, obviously there are games that are closed source, and if that is the task I want to complete, you know, that's the screwdriver or whatever that I'm, I'm trying to complete, I'm trying to have some fun. And for other tasks, what is the task I'm trying to accomplish and what is the best tool for that job? Although you can take a hammer to a screw and drive it in place, that is a possibility. It's going to take a lot more effort 
effort on your part and you're not going to be really happy with the results. So that's the same the way I look at software. What tool is going to get the job done with the least amount of effort and with a better product in the end? Absolutely. And for the most part, my open source tools are the best tool for the job for the most part. But there are some things, like you're saying previously, like about Discord. Right now, people are on Discord. If you want to meet people where they're at, you have to go onto Discord. Is it the preferred solution? No, it's not. But you're meeting people where they're at. And I think you have to look at that in all things. Meet people where they are. If you want to draw them into Linux and draw them into Linux, but don't browbeat them to get them to go open source. That's just never going to work. They're just going to resent you for it. Yeah, I think your free CAD option is a really good example of how they are developing this software in order to have all of the tools that Fusion 360 has, but it takes time. Proprietary software has more money behind it, typically has more developers behind it, so they can usually, not always, fix bugs faster and get new stuff out for that program in a more timely manner than open source software can, especially if they're ones that are being done by just a few developers. It's nothing against those open source software platforms, it just takes more time for some of those features to come out. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just how that system works. And so in your case, it was better to jump over to the proprietary software and finish what you needed to do than break your computer, break your hand, get super frustrated. And those features will eventually be there in FreeCAD and you won't have to do the bounce back and forth. And also to put my money where my mouth is, I actually support one of the FreeCAD developers on Patreon. I want them to continue to work on it. Sure, it's not very much money, but I would rather put my money into the free and open source applications so that they can become better so that I can use them hopefully in the future right. on a regular basis. I'm subscribed to the GitHub as well for FreeCAD. And there is so much work being done on FreeCAD. There are commits and pulls and everything else every day. They fill up my mailbox. Sorry, guys, I delete them after I read them, <laughs> some of them. There's so much going on in the project that it's going to be there. It's going to have feature parity to Fusion 360 eventually. And if people are not trying it or talking about it, then maybe those things won't happen. But, you know, getting involved in the project, make some requests, and maybe those things can get done. There's version 0.19 is going to be released here pretty soon. They're on pre-release right now. That's what I download and I'm going to be playing with. And I'm hoping that it'll be great. I'm hoping that I can use it. I would like for Autodesk to build Fusion 360 for Linux, or at least make it easier to use in Linux. Because, you know, a lot of people are using it. It has certain functions that FreeCAD does not have yet, as far as like CAD CAM functions and so forth that I know of. I mean, maybe there's a module and I, I may have misspoken. Fusion 360 has a lot of things like where you can actually do these. If you have a CNC, I mean, how many people have a CNC machine? I don't. I want one though. You can actually put those different passes, those different axes, axi. How do you say axis in plural? Plural form of axis. Insert that word here of controlling your parts. So they have a lot of those things in Fusion 360. They also have finite element analysis in Fusion 360. They have that in FreeCAD as well. I haven't compared them. These are all tools that people need and a lot of people are putting these things into FreeCAD. I can see a point when FreeCAD will be just as good or better than Fusion 360 when it hits maybe like a critical mass moment. Last time I used it, which was about six months ago, it wasn't there for me. Again, I'm not opposed to open source software, obviously, and I would prefer to use open source software over proprietary, but sometimes there are just certain functions that I just don't have and I wish I did have in FreeCAD. That was a really great suggestion is if you want to have an alternative to the proprietary software that's on there, talk about it, test it out, support the project that's going on so they can have what they need in order to develop that project into the replacement for the proprietary software that you're currently having to use. Right, exactly. You know, and there are things that I still use too that are proprietary. Like I still have an instance of Microsoft Office 2007 on one machine just in case if I need it. And also because I can script something. I kind of like Visual Basic. I've been using it for a long time. 
time and it's really easy to work with. Those little bits are not in LibreOffice. I don't know if they're in WPS Office. I've not tested that. But there's certain things like they're really nice to have. Those really nice to haves that I use is just hard to get away from. Having an efficient workflow is very important. It is. Yeah. You know, I want to spend time with my family. I want to smile as I use my technology. I don't want to be upset with using it. People should be happy and enjoy using whatever tools that they use. Otherwise, they're not good tools. Yeah. You had mentioned, you know, supporting the projects. I think between bug reports, between actually testing and using, those are time areas. If you can financially support the project so that they can hire developers, that they can work on the project full time. If you have the means to get them hardware that they might not have access to if if you have means to help a project that you find useful in any way shape or form but you want to see grow you should be helping support it whether time money hardware whatever however you want to do it i think we sometimes get into this end of the open source community where it's just, we'll make requests and all these other things but we won't commit resources to it the time the money the hard work kind of deal it's like give me but i'm not going to give back kind of deal and the antithesis of being like the good open source citizen sometimes I think that's why I don't have a problem with proprietary software because it allows the open source alternatives to potentially grow and get to where they need to be when they finally are able to build that community aspect and get the right people in the community to help them grow. Like you're seeing it with things like the Blender project now. A lot of game studios are actually supporting Blender. Ubisoft recently said that they were ditching their proprietary back end for game development to use Blender. And that's pretty huge. Ubisoft is like the third biggest publisher on the planet besides Activision and you can debate uh, EA. That's a huge move. So, you know, then there's Epic. Say what you want about them as a company. All good things, I'm sure. They also invested money into Blender. Like Ryan said, Facebook invested money into Blender. You can say they're garbage companies, but we can't minimize the fact that those companies are helping those projects by giving them avenues of finance for hardware and developers and all the other stuff that they might not have had access to originally. I think proprietary software in and of itself is going to not be the norm anymore. And the open source stuff is going to be more of the norm, become more of the norm than what we see now where it's a lot of the proprietary end of stuff. Like Noah said, I think open source is a better overall model from top to bottom. Your competitors innovating keeps you innovating to stay ahead of your competitors. And it keeps the user in control. And that drive also helps have the user at the end of the day, control what they want on their system and say, okay, I don't like where this project went. So here's where I cut off that project. Say you don't like that Facebook invested in Blender. Okay. When was the last version of Blender before you knew about that investment? You can roll with that version of Blender for as long as you want. Giving the user that amount of control is totally awesome because you, the user at the end of the day, it decides what they want to do with the system that they have. And if the proprietary option is good, cool. If the open source one is the preferred one and the better one for them, even better. But I think supporting those projects as a user is vitally important. Absolutely. There's a little bit of conundrum if you have a heartburn, let's say, against different organizations for funding a project. You know, if I'm a small business and someone who I don't like comes in and buys something, I'm still going to let them buy something. I think in the same token, just because you don't like a business, you can still take their money. Maybe that makes me uh, an opportunist. May not be the most popular thing. I have my own heartburn with some of the larger tech companies, but I'm also going to recognize when they do something good. I will say, you're doing this something I don't like, and therefore I won't use this service from you. But at the same time, I can say, I may not use your service, but I 
appreciate your contribution to the open source by doing this. Maybe you'll do some other good things with your existence besides steal people's data. So um, <laughs> there's different ways of looking at that. I didn't know if that was an issue for some people. They won't use Blender because now Facebook dumps money into it or Epic. Maybe by drawing these companies in like Epic into the open source through Blender, hopefully that's an avenue to open it up in other ways as well. At least I'm going to hope for that, but they, maybe they stop being poopy heads or allowing uh, Linux to be used more easily with their games. Right. Definitely agree. And I'm not the biggest fan of certain companies either. Can't deny that they're making contributions to even the core system. Example, me and Wendy have made it perfectly clear, like, we're not big fans of Windows at all. Nate, you don't even know what Windows is after MEE probably. I'm getting some more from my house. More of those kind of Windows. The only Windows I care about. So you're getting some Anderson Windows? No, but go ahead. They're double pane with argon filled. Uh, so, like, we're not big fans of Microsoft, but we can't deny that they've contributed a good amount of code to the core kernel of the thing that we prefer to use. Absolutely. Say what you want about Oracle. Oracle is with the whole Android thing and the whole open office debacle and everything else that Oracle touched that basically blows up in their face and the users suffer for. They contribute a ton of code to the core of the thing that we care about. Unless you're going through and stripping out all their code of all these companies you don't like, odds are there is probably some company with some commercial interest that you are using their code. And that's actually a really good thing to, to think about too. Just because you don't like somebody or something and you think that somebody or something is bad doesn't mean that they're all bad. You have to treat even these vile corporations, I'm not saying which ones, uh, even though that you think they're vile and you dislike them immensely, don't have to write them completely off because they can still contribute and they can still be contributing members of our tech world. Look at things on a merit basis evaluate something or some organization by their merits, good or bad. And if you don't want to give them money for whatever services, that's fine. I don't blame you. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge the good things that they do as well. And that's a healthier way to live, I think, than just writing people or organizations completely off. 100% agreed. I also think that some of this comes in in changing or making some of our open source projects better or making them grow, making it so that more people have access to them is starting young instead of having kids in schools learning to edit photos on Adobe software. If more instructors or teachers knew, hey, there's this open source version that the kids can still use these cameras that we have. We're not paying this massive license fee. That takes A, the teachers knowing and B, they need to know the product in order to teach it to different children. So having kids be exposed to these open source projects at an earlier age will help the industry in a whole change. Right now, one of the biggest software in the photo industry is Adobe. One of the reasons why it is one of the biggest software used in photography and even in a lot of video, they start young. They have programs where this software is in junior highs and high schools and colleges that it's given to at a discount for these students. Darktable doesn't cost anybody anything to load on Mac, Windows, or a Linux system and just being able to say, hey, here's this alternative that doesn't cost your school, your co-op, your whatever money to run, I think is a good way for the younger generation to realize that this is something that they can use this in a professional manner as they go from school to life outside of school. I think for of those particular industries, a lot of it is the starting young 
And unfortunately, they get into this weird trap where it's like, well, this is the industry standard or this is the status quo. And it's like, well, maybe the status quo needs to change. Right. There are standards and like there are industry standards and there are industry expectations. I think the difference is, is like I'm just using GIMP as an example. And I know they're working on this feature. I would not consider it a Photoshop replacement. This is why like Michael doesn't consider it a Photoshop replacement for that professional level is because of the destructive editing. Right. And they are definitely working on that. I think one of the other features that say Photoshop has that GIMP doesn't is the quick ability to remove backgrounds and that kind of stuff. Some of the AI features that are now built strongly into Photoshop that isn't there in GIMP. And I think it's one of those things that could be. I think it's one of those things that will take time to build out, Mm -hmm. but it's not there now. Those are fair critiques of why these are a standard. Understanding the industry expectations in order to change what quote unquote is the industry standard. If you're looking at the industry expectations, I think GIMP as a project will be a better alternative or usable for industry standards when it has certain industry expectations, i.e. the non-destructive editing. Once we get to that point with some of these open source projects, that will help them tremendously because those industry expectations of X feature being there will actually be there. This episode of DLN Extend is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications such as a master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. There are many reasons why I chose Bitwarden as my personal password manager. One of those reasons, it is 100% open source. You can also self-host your Bitwarden instance. They also offer security audits to make sure your passwords are as secure as they can possibly be. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. They offer an, a premium account for just $10 per year. What do you get with that premium account? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP authenticator storage and generation, priority customer support. Make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me though, you'll want that premium account for just $10 per year to support this amazing open source software. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Okay, Matt, what dirty proprietary application do you have that you're going to push on the rest of us? <laughs> that dirty proprietary application of a game, you mean? Well, yeah, they're going to enable me again. Actually, this will probably not enable you at all because of the type of game it is. It's too new. Not pixelated enough? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not pixelated enough at all. It's called Juan's Sword 7. It is a Chinese action RPG based around Chinese mythology and that kind of Taoist type of uh, philosophy. 
is integrated into the game. I really like it mostly just because you don't get a lot of that time period, Chinese culture and mythology and that kind of stuff. It's not readily accessible to most of the West as far as like how we see things and perceive things and like play those kind of roles. We get maybe a lot of Japanese RPGs, some Korean RPGs, Western RPGs like your Skyrims and that kind of stuff. But you don't get something that focuses on that type of unique mythology that is, I don't want to say unknown to the West, but it's not well known to people in Western regions and stuff from what i've played of it I'm about 10 or 12 hours in the combat's good the graphics look amazing character animation's a little stiff that's neither here nor there the translation is not broken english it's very well done because it's chinese voice acting with english subtitles the subtitles have the occasional wrong context to a word not so much that the wording is wrong so you look at a saying and be like, okay, I get what you're saying. It's just like a certain word wasn't placed in the right kind of way, but that's very rare. And having that kind of a solid translation is also very rare. This does work on Linux. This is a platinum rated game for those that want Proton DB rating. Excellent. It's also available on PS4. As a new game, everything thing came out in October. It's only a $35 game. That's its full retail price on PC. That's not bad at all. For every hour of an entertainment you get and you're going to assign a dollar amount to it and you get that many hours, I see no problem with that. And I can easily get 35 hours out of this game. Looks really cool. Just looking at a trailer, I guess, if you want to call it that. It looks very cool, but you're right. It doesn't look like the kind of game I would buy, but it does look really very awesome. It seems very epic. The graphics are great. The animation doesn't look too plasticky, you know, as far as like the people go. Mm -hmm. For sure, it would be a high quality, is it, is it considered AAA title type game or? It would be a AAA game as it relates to Chinese video game releases, I guess. Okay. I'm not 100% familiar with what's considered AAA from the Chinese market, so it differs. Those that are available to the West, I would consider this a AAA type level game. I am not seeing a rating on it. Would you consider it for more mature audiences or where are you on the age scale for this one? If you're looking like ESRB rating, I would probably go with teen because it does follow some of the morality laws, I guess would probably be accurate for like of what we know of for Chinese market. There's not a lot of overt sexualization. There's some implied jokes here and there, but nothing you wouldn't see in like a PG-13 movie. Probably give it like a teen rating. There is some drug use or like drinking and stuff. Joke about a hangover. There's a few teen related kind of things. I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. Nothing worse than I've seen in the latest PG-13 movie here for a comedy. Some of the fantasy combat, like some like monster designs might be a little off-putting to some people. So that's probably why I would give it the, the teen rating. Wendy, what are you got going on? Well... Not to do this again, but I'm going to do this again. We have another camera corner update. I did go ahead and order the hardware not long after we recorded. It showed up on Friday last week and I was so excited. I connected the Atomos Connect, that's exactly what it's called, to my Atomos Ninja. It worked right out of the box. OBS picked it up, no problem, didn't have to do any fiddling with that. I'm super excited. I did go ahead and get a different microphone. I know last week I said I wasn't going to, that I was just going to use the one that I'm podcasting on right now. 
after thinking about it, this microphone is really directional, right? In thinking about that, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to be moving around. I'm going to be tweaking lights, all kinds of things like that. And I still want you to be able to hear me. I don't want there to be a audio change as I'm moving back and forth away from the microphone. So I did go ahead and pick up a Rode Lavalier. It says it's a Go Professional. I have no idea exactly what the sound quality is going to be. So this coming week, I hope to be doing some testing on them, setting it all up seeing how everything looks, seeing how everything sounds, and make sure I get kind of a baseline. What I don't want to do is do an entire show, I guess, and then realize something was wrong, something was off, and it's going to take forever to edit or fix or whatever or reshoot it because something wasn't quite right. The hardware's here. I've played with the Connect a little bit. I was so excited that it was just kind of an out-of-the-box use. There was no software stuff that needed to be tweaked. It's ready to go, and my biggest concern is just how well that microphone is going to sound, how much rustling or whatever it's going to get on clothes-wise. I did get an extension for the microphone, and I don't know how that'll affect the sound either. I usually move around quite a bit when setting up a shot as I'm tweaking lights and moving things around and getting it just the way I want it. Well, that's really exciting. Are you going to have issues because you have two different mics? Are you going to have issues with like the sound being different, you think? I don't know. Because when I'm at the computer editing, I will be using this mic for that. But when I am working on a shot, then I will be using the lavalier mic. That's where the testing this week will come in. I'm not sure how those two different sounds will be. It says it's a quote-unquote professional microphone but it still is a lavalier mic and there's all kinds of things that can come into contact with it and I can bump it. That is going to be a new form of especially audio editing for me that I'm going to need to play with and figuring out how to do properly or how to fix it. Testing is really important. I do have a lavalier mic but it's not cordless and I kind of wonder I've heard about these lavalier mics that are cordless and I thought it'd be kind of fun to get because I do move around a lot. thought about going cordless on this. The price wise was just more. This lavalier mic was, I want to say, $80 for this mic. So it's definitely not the cheapest one you can get, but it's definitely not the most expensive one. It's kind of, I guess you'd say mid-range, middle of the road when it comes to leveler mics. I'm really hoping the audio quality on it is good. Just going to have to wait and see. Well, Nate, what have you been up to this week? Do you have another project for us? Not exactly a project. I was contacted by this company called Powered Adhesives Limited out of the United Kingdom about testing out their hot glue gun and their adhesives. And you might say, well, why would that happen? A few months ago, I purchased this thing called a Badapter to adapt my DeWalt 20-volt batteries to work on a Ryobi glue gun. I wrote about it on cubiclenate.com, and I did a little video on it on YouTube. So they contacted me an email, very nice email, and they said, would you like us to send you a glue gun and with some adhesives to test out? Past week, since we recorded last, I received the glue gun and some adhesives. Things I did not know before this is they have different hot glue adhesives than what you'd buy at Home Depot here in the States. And there's also different what they call open times or how long the glue stays open for you to adhere. But I have a hardwood flooring type of glue, which I don't immediately have a need for, but interesting nonetheless. And also for a hot glue that you use for tack strips on concrete, which also I didn't know existed. So they built this bad after that I used specifically for their glue guns so people could use whatever battery they wanted on their glue gun with their adhesives. And that's why it existed and that's why I bought it. I'm going to be testing it against my Ryobi glue gun that I use with DeWalt batteries as well. So it was kind of exciting that someone contacted me. What I wanted to say was, you know, it really didn't get that many views, right? I didn't say that part. I just let them send me the adhesives. I'm excited to try this out. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, it's neat that someone contacted me about something that seems a little bit, I don't know, maybe esoteric glue guns. 
Before today, I didn't realize that there was an industry around that, I guess. Right. The only time I had really thought about them was in the hobby sphere. And I need a new glue gun because I went to go seal the edges of the guinea pig cages. We have a CNC cage, a homemade cage, and the plastic corrugated board. I haven't glued the corners in yet and went to go do that when we were doing a deep clean on cages this last week and realized my hot glue gun is dead. It doesn't get hot. It gets... (laughs) mildly warm lukewarm yeah <laughs> not very good for a hot glue gun not good for hot glue not good for tea exactly or coffee. i think you'd have bigger problems if you're using either of those for coffee or tea this is true before the last year or so i didn't realize they made hot glue guns that ran off of battery power we'll probably stick to a corded one at our house i'm afraid of what my kids would do with it if they had access to a battery powered one. Oh, actually i think i'd be interested in seeing what they would do i burned myself pretty badly with my hot glue gun when i was doing my christmas lights a year and a half ago or so and i still have a scar from that because it got so hot so I think your kids would learn at least once. So, Wendy, you're going to stick with it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I still need a new one. Battery-powered one would be awesome. But, like I said, I'm still a little worried as to what I would find glued together that I don't necessarily want glued together. Kids, they do the darndest things. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at DestinationLinux.network. More information on where you can find me, you can go to CubicleNate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings, my podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. And you can find my random ramblings on Twitter, at MattDLN. You can find me on the Destination Linux Network Discourse forum. You can also join us on March 21st for the first Destination Linux network lug fest right after the live recording of destination linux it should be anywhere between 3 to 3 30 eastern we will be in daylight time by then more information will be coming out as we get closer to the lug fest as always we thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode of dln extend until then have a great week everyone 